XNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, from a chilly, windy Principal Park. Uh, it's Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, as we are broadcasting live from the LifeServe Blood Center. Uh, event. Yes, I'll take that blanket. Thank you very much. The Canadian's a little cold, Trent Condon. What is going on I'm over frozen. there? I feel like I'm at the Orange Bowl, dude. What is wrong with I you? I don't know. Maybe I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe it's it's age. Is, is it the age? It I guess. That's got to be. Ooh, that's better. He's got a blanket wrapped around him here. Yeah, here absolutely. we go on uh, Hot Friday. We welcome you down here. And uh, look, at there's um, uh, plenty of availability right now. If you have a couple of, uh, well, it's what we found out yesterday, about 40 to 45-minute process. Mm-hmm. That's mostly consumed by paperwork, right? right to yeah. begin with, the actual process with which you are going to partake uh, is going to, oh, be what? About five, six minutes? Is that we heard yet? No more than ten minutes yep, for that. So. Exactly. The uh, actual time in the chair while right. you're getting the blood, they're taking the blood. From are you, you nervous? No, not at okay. all. Okay. So you you have to remember, kid. Hey, I was a call. A poor college student for also five and a half years. <laughs> I gotcha. I know and where you're going. I donated plasma seemingly twice a week for those Made five a little and money. a half years. So, so they fed you? Yeah. And you, they paid you? you? You get a cookie, you get some <laughs> juice, and uh, yeah, you get some money when you're walking out when you're doing the plasma thing. And uh, so, yeah, needles never bother me. No big deal. Hey, go do the thing. So I'll be donating blood here today. You're not going to, though? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you, I'm a you definite seem nervous maybe. about it. I'm a definite maybe. Well, you get to go inside and warm up a little that bit. That may be the reason why that pushes me over the top. <laughs> uh, and if you need something to push you over the top, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, if you follow the, the KXNO Twitter account. I know Heather at Heather Radio tweeted out a picture of the of the shirt. If I could, I would, Trent. I'd get my picture sideways for some reason. Uh, but it's a great what color do you bleed, and it's um, adorned with cardinal and gold and black and gold, and the KXNO logo is right in the middle of it. And everybody that comes down and donates blood gets one of these bad boys. We're going to feed you afterwards. There's breakfast pizza down here. So if you have some time uh, before your lunch hour, if you can sneak out, because we're only here until noon. So if possible, and if you can uh, make your schedule work, come on down here. It's obviously a very worthwhile cause. Uh, they can never donate enough blood. They can never have enough reserves uh, of, um, of blood. And uh, we are down here at Principal Park, right outside the main gates. You can't miss us. The two big, uh, what would you call those, RVs? Yes, yeah, the LifeServe buses. That's where you actually have your blood drawn, right inside of those. And very simple process. In fact, you can get set up beforehand. You go to their website. You can start the paperwork there and get started. So that's what you were doing, you doing on your phone. Yep, yep. Good just stuff. do it on the phone, and you can uh, find LifeServe Blood Center. Just Google that. Go to their website. It'll pop right up, and you can start the process there. Gotcha. Coming up on the uh, BMW of Des Moines guest list here today. A fun show. Looking forward to today's show. Hey, it's Friday. Um, for, for so I love giving away the Claxons Barbecue. Uh, in the first hour of the program, we are going to do our NFL segment. Not a full blown NFL segment. We're only going to look at. Well, I guess three of the teams, when you factor in that Dave Sinekin, who is the headcheese.com, is based in Minneapolis. So we'll do the Vikings and the Packers with Sinekin. He has a Packer lean, as you know. He's been on the show for absolute years. Grateful to have him. Uh, and Nick Athens is going to join us, and we'll take a look at the Chiefs and the Raiders. That's coming up first. Bama Bob, Trent, and I are going to go around college football on a national basis about 1040. At 11 o'clock, Trent, this will be our final Cyhawk player, final Cyhawk 
uh, participant, guy that played in this game, and not only played in this game, the 2000, I want to get my year right, it was seven? You think it was seven. The Shaggy game. The Shaggy game, 2007-15-13. Uh, he was responsible for all 15 of the points as he kicked five field goals in the game. He missed one. Did you remember that? Oh, he I missed didn't. A, he clanked the 40, oh, 40-something field goal early in the fourth quarter. Had an opportunity, but kicked the game winner with precious few seconds left on the clock. 2007 is right. 2007, right. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, so Brett Culberson's going to join us at 11. Will, do you know how he got there? He went to Lincoln. Am I mistaken about this? Did he, was Iowa State that at that point searching for a kicker and they put out a, a call to students? This this is, yes, you're you're kind of jogging my memory with I this one. I thought that yes. that was is, is how, because he kicked at Lincoln. Uh-huh. I, he didn't go to Iowa State to, uh, to be a part of the football program, but obviously did. So Brett Culberson coming up at 11. Then we'll talk to Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Dylan Montz will get the Iowa State angle. Last look at, uh, at the Cyhawk from Dylan Montz. We'll give away Claxon's Barbecue. You and I will give out our picks. Are you going to include the Cyhawk game I'm in not. your picks? I'm not. And I was talking to you before the show today. I have, you know, sometimes you just talk yourself in circles, yeah. and, and it feels like that's what's happened to me last night. I was talking to a buddy uh, yesterday afternoon. What well, do you how think many of the podcasts game? did you do this week, by the way? That's, I think five. So if, if I listen to all five, can I get five different but takes? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. And that's that's kind of what it is. I mean, you like to have an opinion early on, but things change and they morph. And we were talking yesterday after the show, and you were bringing up the over, and you kind of like the over. Mm-hmm. And I said bef- during the whole spring and summer, whatever the over-under comes out at, I'm taking the under. And now I'm starting to come back the other way. It's just... I think this is what happens to a lot of us because there are so many different angles that can tip this game. It is the epitome of a coin flip game. This can go either way. It's not going to be a big shocker one way or the other the way it goes. Uh -uh. Who's going to win the game? But because of that, you talked about quarterback play. Very well could tip the scales. And then we talked about the line positions and what Linderbaum does against Ray Lehman in the middle and Epinesa on the outside against Good Jones and on and on and on. You, You go and I, who was it? Uh, former Cyclone player that said Iowa might only have two guys on their defense that would start for the Iowa State defense, and and these kind of things in these conversations that you get into this year, yeah, out of the group. And I thought about, it, I said he might be right. Ojemudi would start, of course. Ninety four is going to start on yes, any team yeah. in college football, and and I think uh, Hank, Hankins would start certainly. Yeah, if too. he's if he's able to play, I, I think agree the number is not quite nine out no, of eleven would be no. out of state, but it's uh, certainly it's different than what we've seen in the past. But that's what happens. You just you keep thinking, you keep talking, and you just go around and around and around. So, no, this is not part of my five-pack of picks, certainly for today. I love the college slate. I had, when I started making my initial list, I had 11 games. Mm-hmm. I had to pare it down to two, wow. and we also have a best bet that we do, and that'll be part of the college realm here. But I love the slate here in college football and the NFL. This is my favorite week to bet NFL, week two. Everything you saw in week one, go the opposite way. Overreactions are so prevalent we talk about in the college game, but the NFL, I think, is even to another degree. My favorite week to bet NFL, week two, year in and year out. So we should be paying attention to your plays then. You sound pretty confident. I, I have uh well, you got some making up to do. Don't forget. I, I'm a game behind you. <laughs> is that all it is? Seven and three for Ken. I'm six and four, though I'm 0-2 on my best bets on the year. Yeah, which is strange, right? Yeah. I think I, I'm one and one. Anyways, yeah. we'll get to that just before we get out of here. You know, can you imagine having... You know, this is, quote, Iowa Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine having another week to break down this game, to talk about this game oh, like the real Super Bowl? Right. I mean, everybody's so ready for this game to be played now. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of wish it was at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning just because the four hours from you know, the time the first game kicks off to the time we actually see our game is going to seem like a long time. You know, it's going to seem like a very long time if indeed – got a couple of TV things I want to squeeze in. Okay. Here. And obviously the, the one that means the most to us is the pending dispute – uh, when the zero hour is 12 midnight tonight, I guess, when indeed, and there's been, unless I've missed something, Trent, uh, since I left Ankeny this morning, um, wasn't a long drive, by the way. No, no. <laughs> no, so when, since I left, uh, you left the house, it, I mean, there'd been, there'd been no resolution to the DirecTV sl- Disney slash ESPN battle that mm-hmm. was going to play out for all DirecTV subscribers starting at midnight tonight. What does that mean? Well, if you're a DirecTV subscriber, uh, we won't see game day tomorrow. We won't see the college slate of ESPN games or ESPN2 or ESPNU or ESPN anything. We won't see those. We won't see Monday night football. But the other thing, and it's kind of a... A sad note, I guess, because what Cubs baseball, and here we are at Principal Park, what Cubs baseball means to so many people and how so many people first became familiar with the Cubs, mm-hmm. and that was WGN. Oh, And yeah. after 72 years, Trent, WGN has five or maybe four broadcasts left and oh. kaput. I mean, think about it. Um, the song that they sing, what's the dude, the, 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 the big fan that... Uh, Go Cubs, go! No, 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 no! The guy that sang the song, he's famous. He's a, he's, a, he's in a band, Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder, yeah. Okay. The, the guy, um, I mean, that he's got that as part of his song. The go, the song that they sing when they, at the end of the game. Yeah, go Cubs, go! Go Cubs, go! The WGN. Yep. Trent, it's going away. It's kind of sad, don't you think? I do. It, it is certainly. I mean, I know my neck of the woods where I grew up. It was majority Twins fans being in North Iowa, but there were so many Cubs fans because of that. And then you look at the national scope, and, and people, certainly of my age, you know, people in their 30s and 40s, and people that grew up watching that because that was, right. for a lot of people, the only baseball. It was that or TBS and the Braves. And until the 90s, that was some bad baseball you were watching on, on both TBS. of them, on TBS and WGN. So you know, a lot of different directions, a lot of different people just jumping on because of sure. that because they could see so many games because you could see 130 of them super stations as opposed to a dozen games maybe that you'd be able yeah. to see nationally back then, and because of that. You're going to lose it. It's a different age. It's a different mm-hmm. environment. I get all those things, but I agree with you. It, but it, Trent, this is the '40s we're talking about. Yeah, the 1940s right. since they started broadcasting wow. Cubs baseball and WGN. I mean, that's remarkable to me. And look, I get it. everything. Everything changes, right? It's the end of an era, but a sad end of an era, just because so mm-hmm. many people became Cubs fans because of that. Same, you can say the same, sure, for Braves fans. Right. Uh, and look, I well, when I first moved here, the Braves were on TBS, and mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it. Watching the young Tom Glavin, yes. you know, watching this young team kind of go through their growing pains. But uh, anyways, uh, Thursday night football last night. You know what? Football's football. I was into it. I was too. I, I, I really enjoyed the game. I, I did too. I had fun watching that Me too. Game. Isn't that strange? Because two <laughs> NFC South teams that don't right. move the needle. Nope, not at all. Um, and yet it was a hell, It was a fun game. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Todd Bowles, you're not a very good head coach, but you sure coached the hell out of that defense. Good call. Yeah, yes. right? Yes. How about Anthony Nelson? Yes. Look at the plays that this dude was making Absolutely. last night. Absolutely. He, uh, he made a handful of plays last night. There's something wrong with Cam Newton. This isn't the same football. Did he win the MVP in 2015? I believe so. I mean, if they he rep- didn't, he was right there Absolutely. at the end. And watching him, it is painful to watch. Yes. It is. The windup is odd. Coming off the shoulder injury and then the final play of the game. Yes. What was he the, doing? They, they were doing the trick play with uh. McCaffrey trying to get. It looked like they were setting up the Philly special. 
It did. It, it, right, that's what know. it looked like off the surface, but Tampa didn't bite on the that. Corner didn't bite. Nope. And uh, was at home and made a great tackle to, to get McCaffrey there on the corner. That's not easy. No, as not Josie at all. Jewell and a bunch of Hawkeyes yes. will tell you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The, not the easiest guy to bring down. So, but I I enjoyed it. I had fun watching that one. And you know what? Next week. We'll get Jaguars and Titans, and it'll probably be the same I way. I hope so. Look, football's football. We don't get enough of them. It, it goes so fast. Mm-hmm. And we got the A team from Fox last night doing the game, even though they boy, it's going to make a lot for a long season for Buck and for Aikman yep. doing Thursday night, and then they'll be at the game. But they of did the it week last on. year. They did. Yep. Good point. They did it. And you know, look at they. Uh, Aikman's used to working from uh, <laughs> from September till well, who knows how long the Cowboys season will go. And I like that team. I always have liked yes, that team. Yes, I do too. I'm with you. My, another big takeaway last night. Jerome Booger, yeah, is that guy the worst official you've ever seen? It just—it seems like every time he's on a game that I'm watching. And didn't he do a Super Bowl not too yes. many years ago? That's what I thought. Something screwed up. Something's wrong. His explanations are never right. And and I apologize. I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody had I thought a really good point last night on Twitter, where they basically said, "So we go through, and it takes two, four, six minutes to figure out that pass interference was it or wasn't mm-hmm. it late in the game yep. there in the final couple of minutes." And then they come back, and the explanation is 10 seconds. Right. If you're going to take this much time, explain Let exactly why right. I you saw what I was you frustrated saw too. and the reason behind it. Because when they went to Pereira back in New York in the booth, and he said, well, that should be pass interference. And then it comes back the other way, and it wasn't pass interference. Why? What did they see in New York translate that to what we're hearing, what we're watching on the television? I think it makes a lot of sense. We're already wasting time anyway. What's another 15 seconds of explanation so we knew what they saw at that point. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I, I agree with you. All right, uh, baseball from yesterday. Any? I didn't even see, did the Twins win? No, they didn't. They, they got did, clocked. Huh? They lost 12-6. Ugh. It is a banged-up team. Nelson Cruz did have a home run in the game, but another bad start. And now the lead is down to 3.5 with 3 in Cleveland. This is a wounded Twins team. They're struggling mightily right now. You have to be concerned. You yeah, certainly no have to be concerned with the way this season has gone to this point. They're not getting anything out of the rotation. Pineda, of course, suspended. The bullpen has been an issue all season long. And, and now with so many guys injured, Buxton done for the year. Sano's been banged up. Kepler's banged up. Marwin mm. Gonzalez has been out for a couple of weeks now. Who knows when he's going to be back and on and on and on. This is a team that is running on fumes right now. I'm not real confident heading in, even though they finish up with the Royals and White Sox and Tigers after they get through this Cleveland series. Yeah, a lot of also runs coming up on the schedule. What did you see yesterday afternoon? I know you're watching. I watched you Darvish. Yeah, you Darvish was unbelievable. Uh, they look. They needed to get one of those, right? And they mm-hmm. they were able to uh, get one on get on getaway day. It still doesn't feel like a playoff team to me. It just doesn't. Um, but we shall see. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We're going to do our NFL segment. We will do that first and foremost. Bama Bob will be here, our final segment of the hour. Again, we're down here at Principal Park. It's the LifeServe Blood uh, Center Blood Drive. Uh, we've got a couple of mobile units down here. Just pull right on up, fill out your paperwork, jump on the bus, Gus, and give blood. Uh, the whole process takes about 45 minutes. You're actually in the chair fewer than 10 minutes. Uh, the blood That's the giving blood process. Uh, takes about 10 minutes. Uh, I'd love to see you down here. We've got these beautiful T-shirts to give away uh, just for that. They'll feed you as well. Miller and Condon live at Principal Park. Uh, we're on Des Moines Sports Station, 14th. So- 
welcome back as we come to you live from the What Color Do You Bleed blood drive down here at Principal Park. It lasts until noon. You still have time. Get on down here. The process takes about 45 minutes. You're only in the chair for about 10 minutes, uh, but we'd love to see you down here. Let's talk some NFL football. We've got all the Cyhawk stuff coming up. Nick Athen will hear from. Likewise, Dave Sinekin, the Packers and the Vikings collide. It's the Raiders and the Chiefs. Nick Athen from Fan Source Network joins the program. Nick, 1-0. and uh, You know what? Let me pick some nits before we get into the positive. And I guess the fact that Gardner Minshew, of all people, was able to do, and Foles was, was doing some business through the air as well. Secondary from what you saw week one from a team that looks as though clearly they're a Super Bowl contender in the Chiefs. Is that your concern after one week is the secondary? Yeah, I still think they're going to do an upgrade. I mean, they'll get Mo Claiborne back week five. They're definitely going to make a trade for a veteran. Um, I think the Patrick Peterson sweepstakes are probably going to be back on after his six-game suspension. But I will give you the positives out of this. If you look at the overhead view of this uh, of this game, which I did, you know there were definitely some guys in the secondary more out of position than anything else. I mean, some of the big plays they gave up, the safeties weren't over where they're supposed to be, and that has to fall on you know Thornhill playing his first game. Matthew just kind of still learning the, the new system. Ward's still struggling to understand that it's not Bob Sutton's defense anymore. Mm. So overall, I think in the second half, you know, with the new quarterback, they made their adjustments. They gave up a couple of, you know, late touchdowns, who cares? But, you know, they got two big turnovers. Um, that, you know, that first one really kind of decided the game. I thought they kind of turned things around. Uh, you know, and I, I think that this team, from a secondary perspective, is just learning on the job. Um, but there will be reinforcements on the way. There's no way we're going to have a Lynn Elliott moment uh, with this year's team. It's just not going to happen. Well, uh, speaking of picking nits, when you win a game on the road by two touchdowns, that's kind of what you're doing here. A couple of times, though, that offense started to bog down deeper into Jacksonville territory. Anything jump out to you there? Hey, you put 40 points up. Let's not get too carried away here. Uh, yeah, I mean, they still put 40 up. They probably could have put up 55 or 60, you know, had they been sharp. I mean, the no-look pass to Kelsey, you know, by Mahomes is right. pretty stupid. Yep. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, and then his mobility was an issue. You know, he would have had a, a fourth touchdown to Sammy Watkins, but he just couldn't, you know, near the goal line. He just couldn't put uh, that ball on the five-yard line where it needed to go because um, he couldn't plant that foot. So I think at the end of the day, you know, when he's healthy and he's mobile, um, yeah, that's, that's a 50-point outburst at least on one of the better defenses in the NFL. So, if that's a trend that continues, and even if they look sloppy at times and they could still put up 40 points, um, you know, I think, I think we'll all take that. What did you see from LaShawn McCoy in his first game in Kansas City, or for Kansas City? And that, was, that was impressive. I'm, just, I'm bummed I didn't take him on my fantasy team. <laughs> um, he just he looks like he's 24 years old, 25 years old. He's refreshed. I mean, it was inevitable he was coming to Kansas City. I think the Chiefs knew that uh, before they made the uh, trade with Houston. Um, you know, parting with one of their backs. And I, I thought he was tremendous. He is going to give this team such an, a, a lift. He's a veteran guy. You know, when they needed a third and one and a third and two, you know, they're not going to trust Williams because that was an issue with Williams last year. Um, he just couldn't do that. Um, so basically, uh, they're going to give it to LaShawn McCoy. He looked good in the passing game. Uh, his pass protection skills are good. Um, so I think definitely – um, you know, you're in a situation where you've got a guy that's been there, done that, wants a ring, and uh, I think he's going to be next to the cornerback that they bring in in week six, seven, or eight, the biggest addition the Chiefs made down the stretch. 
um, for this offense and for this football game. So, speaking of uh, new additions, though, we saw Sammy Watkins last year for him. Didn't see him very often. What a game. What is the over-under yeah. uh, number of games we're going to see out of Watkins? He has just been so injury-prone. He looks good now. I keep telling you guys, this guy's got his head together. He's got his body together. I think he's going to play the whole season. He is in the most phenomenal shape of his career. Um, he, he understands his offense. He just never felt like he's ever had an NFL home in Buffalo and Los Angeles, and he comes to Kansas City last year. You know, he just didn't have enough time to assimilate everything that Andy Reid throws at him. He spent his entire offseason working on getting his body in shape. He worked with Patrick Mahomes. When Tyreek Hill wasn't there, he learned all the wide receiver positions. I, I think this guy is, can be the next Antonio Brown. I've been saying that for months. Um, I, I think clearly he's a guy that fits in the Chiefs' future. Um, all this talk about McCall Hardman was going to replace Watkins or the Chiefs are going to dump him. Yeah, he's got a nine, you know, seventeen, eighteen million dollar cap hit, which is about to get fixed. He's going to get an extension at some point, but um, I just think he is the key to this offense. I think he's going to be the MVP in this offense outside of Patrick Mahomes. I think he'll have more touchdowns, more receiving yards than Kelsey or Hill. Uh, even though Hill obviously that's a little limited, he's going to be out for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just love Watkins. You saw that first round draft pick, you know, last week. And this is the same guy you saw OTAs, minicamp, uh, training camp, preseason games. He had that explosiveness and that confidence. And uh, he is a man on a mission, and he is humble. Um, and he finally feels like he has a home and he fits in. And the Chiefs just kind of let him grow into it. And uh, I'm glad they did it that way instead of try to force-feed it. Now, coming out of Clemson, I thought he could be you know, any kind of player, one of the best maybe that uh, ever yep. at the position because he was that good in college. Nick, last thing, Raiders this week. Uh, Raiders have a really good offensive line, and I'm not just saying that because they shut out Chubb and Miller, which they did, uh, but it's yep. legit. I mean, that's a good offensive line. Not a lot of other things I don't think positive. I mean, they should be. The Chiefs should win again, but it's Chiefs-Raiders after all. How do you see it real quick? It, real quick, it just depends on which emotional roller coaster that the uh... – the Raiders are going to come out on. Are they going to come out of the one that, you know, gone through the Browns side and beat a, I think, I thought a poorly coached team. Uh, I think the Broncos just didn't have, didn't have any answers. I, I don't know if that's a really good gauge, but if the Chiefs give them any motivation or any, uh, easy field position or easy scores early on and get them some confidence, you know, it's going to be a dog fight. But, um, honestly, I think the Chiefs should probably put up 40, 50 points. Now their, their offensive line and defensive line are, are both good. Equally as good, I think their I think their offensive line is better than the Chiefs. I think their defensive line, at least from this point, seems to be a little bit more together, uh, has a little bit more uh, attitude. Um, so that's going to be tough for the Chiefs. So for the Mahomes offensively, throw over the top, get into the second third, which is banged up and really in bad shape. And I think defensively, just just put pressure on Carr. Quit worrying about sacks. Just collapse the pocket. He'll make the mistakes. Um, and, and what will be the swan song of the Coliseum. And I have a ton of personal memories from the Coliseum in my day as a Chiefs fan. It's, it's sad that that's going to come to an end for Kansas City, but um, I think Kansas City wins this game by 15, 20 points. Jonathan Abram, their third of their third, three first-round picks is out for the season. He was off to a really good start yep. at a nice training camp on Mississippi was. State. Nick, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Nick Athen. Appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Let's go right to it. Dave Sinekin, he's theheadcheese.com, is a big one in the NFC North as Green Bay opens up their home portion of the schedule. The Vikings and the Packers. Dave, Trent, and Ken, how are you? 
What's going on, guys? Oh, good to talk to you, Dave Sinek. And, you know, Dave, let's go back before we take a look at this week, week two. Uh, Lambeau Field is the scene. Vikings pay a visit. Let's go back to uh, a week from last night, Thursday night. This curtain goes up on an NFL season. Like it wasn't the prettiest of games, but any time you go into Soldier Field and you, and you pick them off, especially a team that most felt was the team to beat in the North, got to feel pretty good about starting 1-0. Yeah, you guys, uh, this was a Packer team that won a grand total of one road game all of last season and one division game all of last season, and they've uh, matched both of those by going down to Chicago and and getting that first game. Yeah, that means a lot. Um, They certainly need to follow it up with another division win at home, but um, to see that defense perform the way it did against that team that certainly has high aspirations, and they certainly might reach all of those, but to really shut that team down on a prime-time season opener, uh, I think it gives Packer fans a lot of hope that this defense has taken some major steps forward. So we saw Aaron Rodgers put together the touchdown drive, the only touchdown of the game, but really that was about it. He was under a lot of pressure, five sacks in the games from the Bears' defense, but is that a concern going forward to you, or is it more, hey, that's a very good defense on the other side of the field, Aaron Rodgers will be fine? Well, no, it's a concern for sure. Uh, Yes, that's a very good defense. But this is an offense that's brand new, uh, a lot of new terminology, a lot of new players, and we hadn't seen them play a game you know, in the preseason. It was the first time they'd taken the field. So um, what I was concerned about was a lot of the timing. There were a lot of play clocks that ran all the way down to zero. You could tell there were certain times where the offense was having a hard time getting where they wanted to be, and that's, I guess, to be expected, but you really got to iron that out quickly. And I'm hoping the extra few days to get ready for Minnesota, they've spent a lot of attention working on timing, getting plays in quicker, communication, all the things you'd expect to be a little rocky with a new coach and a new system. But, um, yeah, I was a bit concerned about the offense. I I thought Rodgers was inaccurate. There was a report he was the 32nd most accurate quarterback in week Mm. one, and that's not a stat we're used to hearing. But it's, it's been a bit of a trend of late where he used to dominate blitzes. Now he really struggles against blitzes, and I think there's a lot on his plate. He's thinking too much, and once this stuff comes naturally after playing a bit more, I think it'll look better. But I, uh, I'm anxious to see a big improvement offensively against another tough defense on Sunday. Indeed. Dave Sinek in theheadcheese.com is, uh, is our guest. You can read uh, Packers blogs uh, all season long, theheadcheese.com. Dave, you mentioned it. It's uh, the Vikings. It's Green Bay. The Vikings of the four teams in the NFC North. And sure, it was a product of uh, you know opening night and the low-scoring affair. But most felt that the Vikings... If there was an award for the shiniest team, if you will, after week number one, the Vikings might uh, have taken that one down. What did you think of the Vikings' performance against a pretty good Atlanta team by all regards? Well, man, they jumped right down in Atlanta's throats right away. It was crazy. I mean, very first play, they sacked Matt Ryan, three and out. They blocked the punt, and then they go in and score a play or two later. I really thought they kind of took the Falcons' souls right out of the gate, and, and Matt Ryan looked shaky all day long, a couple of really bad interceptions that set up the offense. But tell you what, they, they were ready to play, the Vikings were, and that offense uh, running game with Dalvin Cook was as sharp as, as you would expect and, and even sharper for being week one. But I think, you know, adding Gary Kubiak to sort of lead this offense and bringing it in his running style, I think it sort of settled down Mike Zimmer. He's got a, a peer, if you will, that's taking care of the other side of the ball, even though Stefanski is still the offensive coordinator Kubiak's brought a lot of his uh, designs in to sort of tweak this offense. 
but Atlanta just looked lost. And um, turnovers on offense, defensively, uh, they couldn't get anything done. And um, Minnesota looked really good. They they have weaknesses. The middle of their offensive line really struggled. That's going to give them problems against Green Bay. But the defense, we all know they've got a veteran defense that have been together a long time. And, you know, when a guy named Anthony Harris ends up making yes. two big plays, that's not a name you think of when right. you think of all the stars on that defense. But they were ready to play. Atlanta wasn't. Uh, kudos to them. They looked really impressive. But, um, obviously, they're going to have a tougher task on Sunday, I think, going up to Green Bay. A place they've had some success lately, but uh, Zimmer's 4-4-1 four, four, and one against the Pack his last nine. It's sort of been a, a real even series going back a few years, and I think we all expect a pretty close game. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, one of the matchups I'm looking forward to, Dave, and there's a bunch of them, but Balaga was really good uh, against that very good Bears defensive front, whoever lined up against him. We know it's going to be Hunter versus Balaga. At least we assume that's going to be the case. Hunter's really good. Balaga, when he's healthy, is very good. Hunter versus Balaga, one to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's he's terrific. He had 10 quarterback pressures that led the league in Week 1, along with Zedarius Smith with the Packers. Uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup, too, on the other side. Uh, Zedarius Smith against uh, the left side of that Vikings line, but they're being very careful with Bulaga. They're resting him during the week. They know that they got to keep him healthy and vertical because there's really not anything known behind him. If he goes down, they probably would kick out right guard Billy Turner to right tackle. Turner really struggled in his first game at right guard with Green Bay. So Bulaga's health is paramount for this offense, and he's going to be tested again just like he was against Khalil Mack where he really held his own. Hunter's the real deal at 24. He's a superstar in the making. They've got to give Balaga a little help, I think, play in, play out, because Everson Griffin had a really good game, too, mm-hmm. on the other side. And then he might get more of David Bakhtiari, who's dealing with a slight back issue and has been limited in practice this week, and it's something I'm watching really closely because Green Bay is a terrific pass-blocking offensive line. Uh, they need to uh, run block as well. Green Bay has to run the football, too, and, and there, I think, are holes in that Vikings defense in the middle where they no longer have Sheldon Richardson Gideon in the middle is maybe their weaker link on their linebacking core so I think the tackles hold up but Green Bay has to run the ball up the middle and the interior of that line has to be solid too well last thing for you Dave in 45 seconds I thought the secondary for the Packers was markedly improved in week number one Amos you weaken the Bears you improve the Packers by bringing him over King's got to make that catch I assume he will if he gets yeah. another one dropped in his lap uh, but Amos a pretty good addition as, as far as uh, week number one is concerned looks like he got something yeah real savvy young player who obviously knew that Chicago offense really well and called that play where he got the interception just as important as the first-round draft pick, Darnell Savage, who yep. showed his speed, his physical ability to break up plays. His closing speed is nothing like Green Bay's had in recent years. So that safety combo has really elevated this Packer defense, and they're going to have to be really good, both in the run game with Cook and with that passing game with Thielen and Diggs. And I'm excited about uh, those two safeties, Jair Alexander and, and Kevin King. Suddenly the draft capital the Packers have put toward the defense and their secondary Looks like it might finally be paying off if those guys can all stay healthy. Indeed. Well, uh, we will talk to you next week in advance of uh, hosting my Denver Broncos. Dave Sinek in the headcheese.com. Dave, thank you. You got it, guys. Talk to you next week. Yeah, good to talk to you. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. We'll take a timeout. We're live here at Principal Park. What color is your blood? 
I uh, would love to see you down here. The Blood Drive goes until noon. Uh, Bama Bob's coming up next in the 11 o'clock hour. We've talked about this kid all week long. Trent, let's get Brett Culberson. <laughs> Shaggy joins the show. Think the hair's still long? You know... It wasn't the last time I saw him, but I haven't seen him in a couple of years. But we'll talk to him at 11. Then we'll get, uh, what are we going to do? Tom Cakert is going to join mm-hmm. the program. Alex Halstead as well. Claxons and our picks. We're here until noon. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, broadcasting live from Principal Park. It's the LifeServe Blood Center Blood Drive. What color do you bleed? Come on down, give blood, as my partner Trent Condon did just did successfully, I might add. Once you give blood, you'll get one of these T-shirts, these KXNO. What color do you bleed? Adorned in cardinal and gold and black and gold. It's a pretty good idea, I it, thought. It absolutely good. is. And regardless of what Cyclone fans believe, it came out red to me today. It, Did it? It wasn't black and gold when it came out. That would surprise some people. <laughs> uh, let's get Bama Bob in here as we go around college football. Bama, good to talk to you. We're live at Principal Park, which was Sec Taylor when you lived here. I believe it was still Sec Taylor. Good to talk to you, Bama Bob. How are you? I'm um, fantastic, Kenny. How are y'all? And a very good thing y'all are doing today, by the way. I really, uh, very, very nice community service. Great idea. No, no doubt about it, Bama. You know, we got a, a bunch of games to get to. I want just since Trent and I have talked about this game at nauseum, <laughs> uh, your take on Cyhawk, Bama. Do you recall how many of them uh, played out when you were in uh, a Central Iowa resident? What do you remember about the game, and how do you see this one? Well. You know, this was back from 98 to 02, so I think that was, you know, it was pre-game day, I believe, even. So, you know, there wasn't as much hype maybe around college football in general, of course, as there is today. Social media wasn't around anything like that. And I believe that's sort of when I, if I recall, that was the McCarney years and when Iowa State broke that streak um, of Iowa wins. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of momentum, it seemed, it, it, not only around the, the football program, but those were the Eustacia years when they went to the Elite Eight and when they went down on Big yeah. Monday and, you know, played Kansas and beat them with Cantrell Horton and, you know, Marcus Pfizer and all that. So there's a lot going on around the Iowa State program, sort of a rejuvenation. But, I, you know, you know, coming from the South uh, and having grown up in the South and, you know, via Texas uh, at the time, uh, it – you know, it 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 reson- the, the rivalry resonated to me. I always liked it because it's the only two Division One teams in the state. They play in different conferences, so they're not really competing that way. So this was just sort of the one-off. Uh, you know, game three. I didn't. I didn't really. The only thing I I didn't like is I didn't like how early in the year they have to play it because they're in different conferences. Right, yep. I, I still I remember September in 2001 because of September 11. They played it at the end of the year, and I. I liked it, not obviously for why they had to do it, but I just thought that, you know, sure. Iowa, Iowa State, cold weather, December, I mean, that just seemed like a natural thing to me. But, um, you know, I, I always enjoyed it. I'll be watching, uh, you know, tomorrow I'll be flipping between that and the Alabama-South Carolina game. But in good good for the state, good for Ames that game day's coming. That's going to get them a lot of exposure, get the rivalry a lot of exposure because it doesn't really – it doesn't resonate a lot nationally. Um, as you would expect, you know, just sort of like Oregon, Oregon State or Washington, Washington State, whatever. It's great for the state. Um, and I think game day being there is going to 
put a lot of eyeballs on it, and uh, that that can only be good uh, for Iowa State in particular, since it's the names, and also for the state as a whole. No doubt about it. Well, guys, let's go around some of the games that we've identified. Look, I, there, I know there's no ranked versus ranked, Trent, but mm-hmm. it's still, you know, I didn't have any problem finding games that we're going to take a look at. And let's take a look, first of all, with the uh, uh, an ACC Big Ten collision, one of those in-state pit versus Penn State. Any opinion? How do you see this one? Uh, I think you're going to see beautiful uniforms, and yeah. that's about the only excitement level. We saw Pitt a couple years ago, you know, beat Penn State, but yep. this is an awful, awful Pitt team. Flip it on, enjoy the aesthetics of what you see, but actual football on the field, I don't think you're going to see a no, good game. No, you said earlier in the week that Penn State's kind of maybe a little better than you thought. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think a lot better. Even mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of that first half when they were struggling with Buffalo, but that defense is really good, and they do have some playmakers. I think they do, too. I think this Clifford quarterback's going to be okay. Yes. Obviously, some huge shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Bama Pitt, uh, Penn State. Yeah, this I'm with Trent. The last line I saw was 17. I think Penn State probably covers that. Um, and then we talked about it a couple weeks ago. They're at Maryland next week. That's a primetime you know, Fox game, and that's big for Maryland, um, and that's going to be a big challenge for Penn State. I think they get through this one. Um, I think, fortunately for them, it's not Ohio State or Michigan next week, so there's no look past. It's an in-state game. I think that'll have their attention. Uh, home game, I mean, I just, I don't know. Every, everything that Everything to me right now says Penn State and cover. Gotcha. Let's move on. Central Florida, Bam. It's too fa- It's too bad. Stanford is not better this year because Central Florida yeah. needs these. Sure, they're not going on the road, but they need to take these scalps, and uh, they've got a Pac-12 school with a name brand Pac-12 school that they're going to take on. Stanford quarterback is out. Costello, um, of course, Central Florida's quarterback is out for the entire year. He's lucky to be walking, maybe. Uh, but that aside, Central Florida needs this one, Bama. They're in, they're a big favorite in this game. I don't think it's going to be much of a game, or is it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, the last line I saw was Central Florida by eight and a half. This this can I think is maybe their first true Power Five home game. I'm not certain of that. Um, you know, they play a lot of road games against Power 5 teams and, yeah. of course, the bowl games. So this may be the first one that actually, you know, comes to Orlando. Surprised. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Listen, they've played nobody, Florida A&M and Florida Atlantic. So this is going to be mm-hmm. a step up in competition physically, everything else. You know, Stanford's played Northwestern and USC, uh, sort of split those. Stanford's offense is, is going to have – they're going to just absolutely have to put up points, and I'm not sure they can do that, uh, you know, Body clock, time zone, all that kind of crap. You hear about it, but I think one real, real factor is going to be heat and humidity. This game kicks at two thirty tomorrow, three thirty local time uh, tomorrow afternoon, and I don't care how much you try to get ready for it, you cannot replicate Orlando heat and humidity uh, in the Bay Area. So I, I like UCF in this one. I think they're. I'm with you. I wish Stanford, you know, was bringing an Andrew Luck or a Bryce Love or somebody like that in. Uh, I don't think they have that difference maker on their team this year, and I think Central Florida is going to use this as a, you know, just kind of more ammunition for a "Hey, I told you so" kind of stuff. And um, they'll be excited; they'll and the fans will be in it. So I don't know that they cover. Stanford might be able to keep it a little close, but again, if you made me put money on it, I would take UCF in the cover in this. Trent. Importance of this one for UCF, it can't be overstated. There's going to, if they win this football game, it'll be the transitive property, and people say, you know, they only beat Stanford by six, and Washington or Oregon beat them by 14, or vice versa. 
If there's an opportunity late in this game for a late score, maybe to push it, push it to a two-touchdown or even a three-touchdown win, Central Florida is going to keep it down here because of that. I do like Central Florida. This is ultra important for them yep. in continuing to build up their standing in the college football hierarchy. I think UCF comes out and plays incredibly well in this matchup and all the way to the final whistle. Uh, let's uh, continue with you, Trent. TCU, Big 12, Purdue, Big 10. Sindelar, I guess, is going to be a game-time decision. Mm-hmm. Purdue lost their leading tackler from last year, linebacker in practice this week, of all things. Uh, I like Patterson's team. I do. I think this TCU team is going to push for that second tier in the Big 12. How do you see it? I, I don't have a strong opinion on this one. I, I can't get a read. I can't get a feel for it. Every week I like to have a sit-out game, one yep. that I just this I is don't it have you? it. And this is the one. It could go seemingly 100 different directions, and I don't think if any of them would really surprise me. I love TCU in this spot. Bama, how do you see this game? Yeah, I'm sort of leading TCU in this one. And the main reason is Gary Patterson's been there forever. Uh, you mentioned Sindelar, whether he plays, whether he doesn't. But their offense is really they, – they have one major weapon, and that's Rondell Moore. And Gary yep. Patterson is – is very good historically, and I have no doubt he will be tomorrow, of taking away what you do best. And what you do best is Rondell Moore, however you get him the ball, however you want him to touch it. I, I will be surprised if he has very much space to operate, whether it's bubble screens, whether it's you know how, reverses, however you want to try to get him the ball. I, don't think, I will be surprised if he finds much space tomorrow. And if he doesn't find much space, I don't know where, T, where Purdue goes after that. Um, this could be an uglier game than what may be you know, aesthetically not pleasing, but I'm with you. I like TCU and Gary Patterson in this. Uh, nobody's, talk- nobody's talking about them in the Big 12, and uh, I just think that he's so good at taking away what you do best, and I think he'll, take, he'll, he'll limit Rondell Moore, and with, without him, I don't know where Purdue goes after that. Help us out this ACC crossover game, Bama. Virginia will host Florida State. I'm looking forward to this football game. How do you see it? I listen. Florida State. Florida State is averaging 40 points a game, giving up 40 points a game and 520 yards, and that's to a Boise State freshman quarterback and Louisiana Monroe. I mean, I'm with. I'm kind of getting on the UVA bandwagon with Trent here. Uh, he's been on them early from the. Preseason uh, in the ACC, I've just seen absolutely nothing from Florida State. You know, Willie Taggart's not going to be able to use heat and conditioning as an excuse because this is a, a 7:30 kickoff local time tomorrow night. Um, so I, again, until Florida State shows me something, I think Virginia is just a shade over a touchdown favorite. Um, you know, you may want to buy in. You know, buy the buy the half point there if you want. Uh, if you're if you're in, if you're in so inclined, but you know Florida State's offense hasn't really been the problem. It's their defense; they can't stop anybody. And unless they fix something uh, from last week, uh, I think Virginia's going to score some points. And if that happens, it could be, it could get really ugly for Florida State. Do you like your Virginia Cavaliers, Trent Condon? I, I do. I think this is going to tell us more, though, about Florida State and where they are as a program. People, I think, forget they jumped out to a twenty-one nothing lead last week against Louisiana Monroe. And then that right. lead dissipated. They're up 24-7 at the half and then completely blew it and, and really should have lost that game. Louisiana Monroe should have gone for two, but that's a different conversation. What's the buy-in factor for Florida State? What are these exactly. players believing in Bingo. in Willie Taggart? If they go out there and they get blitzed and they lose this thing 27-3, to 
it could be big, big trouble for Florida State and for Taggart after only year two. Uh, let's uh, go to where we thought game day was going to be. We're glad they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Syracuse just looked awful against Maryland. Maryland might be a good football team. We'll find out next week, as Batma mentioned, in prime time. But here's Clemson, who have not wowed me that like I thought that they would, Trent Condon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson on the road. I know early in the week you were snagging those points in Syracuse. And uh, you can get up to four, t- uh, four touchdowns now. 28 is can the number really? out this morning in a couple of the shops out there. It, it's crazy. Clemson Syracuse, the last two years have been great games. Yep. Two Friday, two years ago on a Friday night, Kelly Bryant went down and Syracuse got him, then had him on the ropes a season ago. Sometimes it's just about matchups, and for whatever reason, Dino Baber's team matches up well with Clemson. I'm all over the points in this matchup. Gotcha. Let's uh, let's move on, fellas. Um, do we have time? Yeah, let's do this, Bama. What's going to be a better game, Arizona State, Michigan State, or Oklahoma, UCLA? Give me 20 seconds on that, and then we'll get to our sneaky good game. Well, first, uh, first of all, I'll take all the points. I'll lay all the points Trent wants. I'll give him as many as he wants. Clemson's going to blow Syracuse <laughs> out. All right, we'll anyway, talk about it. We'll talk about uh, it. I, I think uh, I, Ken, it has to be Arizona State, Michigan State, because I don't think Oklahoma UCLA is going to be close. I mean, we, we saw the, the apathy. A lot of people there. do. UCLA's defense, yeah, UCLA's defense hasn't been terrible. But, listen, Jalen Hurts going to win the Heisman. This game's on Fox tomorrow night. He's going to put up probably big numbers. I don't think that game is close at all. I don't think it. I'll be surprised if it's competitive in the second half. And, you know, with the games and the defenses he's going to face in the Big 12, no offense to that conference, he's going to keep putting up big numbers, and I think he puts them up tomorrow night. So but just because I think Oklahoma-UCLA is going to be so non-competitive, I'm going to say Arizona State-Michigan State is going to be the more competitive one. Which one for you, Trent? You only watch one, and you have to watch one. Which one? I think Bama and I, we're, we're going to have to reconvene Monday and uh, talk about this, Bama, because I see it completely the opposite way. I think this is a, maybe it's the, the dead cat bounce for UCLA, but I think they get off the mat here and at least play better and have somewhat competitive. Yeah, some, something, show something, even in a loss. I think that Michigan State defense is going to completely shut down Eno Be- Benjamin in Arizona State. That thing is destined for like 24-2. It's something weird like that. I don't see Arizona State being able to move the football. So I see a completely different way. We'll talk Monday, Bama, but before we do, I know you got a sneaky good game for us this week. What I do you hope got you your do, because I've got one, too. What do you got, Bama? Well, I got I really two real quick. I think Alabama-South okay. Carolina is going to be closer than people think. I really do. Um, okay. Ryan Holinsky is a great story. Uh, you know, yeah. Go read about it if you want to. Uh, another one, Ken. I, 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 will, I will hope everybody tunes in. It's, it's ESPN2, 11 o'clock. The game's not going to be competitive. Arkansas State at Georgia. Just Google about the pink out. Uh, Blake Anderson, the coach for Arkansas State, oh. lost his wife to cancer. And the University of Georgia has organized a pink out in her honor tomorrow where fans in Athens are going to wear pink. And I think it's just going to be a great scene uh, when you turn on your TV at 11 o'clock uh, in, on ESPN2. Glad you mentioned that one, Bama. That's a really good one. Um, Sneaky? How about we go to a place that was a huge game last week, Colorado. They host Air Force. You lived out there. You know how important that is. And a team off a huge emotional comeback victory against a rival like Colorado. Letdown spot, perhaps. I think this is going to be a really good game. I like Air Force in the points. A little bonus pick there for you. But I think you're going to see a real good one that comes down to the wire. I-25 matchup, if memory serves. Air Force Academy towards Pueblo and, of course, Boulder for Colorado. I'll give you one cut, not in your backyard, Bama, but in SEC territory. Big 12 SEC, K-State, Mississippi State. Hmm. How about that bad boy? Yep. 
Like that one. Yep, absolutely. Like it. Well, we'll see. Bama, great stuff. Enjoy the weekend of college football. We'll recap on Monday with you. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll uh, text each other quite a bit tomorrow as we <laughs> normally do. Thanks, Bama Bob. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you as well, guys. Take care and enjoy uh, enjoy game day. Happy for the, uh, for the state tomorrow. Indeed. We'll be back. Brett Culberson joins the program. We're live at Principal Park. We'll tell you why when we resume. Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.